When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back with our recap of the premiere of The Amazing Race 34. We got things kicked off and hopefully we are not too scrambled to talk about the first night of a fun new season of The Amazing Race. Uh, back with us, of course, our chief Amazing Race correspondent here for Rob's podcast, Jessica Lees. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. It is wunderbar to be back here discussing Amazing Race with you. <laughs> yes, always, always ready to smash it once again. I'm a smasher. As oh, we, wait, that's Mike's joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we saw, we saw, and we're on a roll. Mm, there you go. <laughs> yes. Let's, those, and we've broken the ice. Broken the ice. Those three related things of course uh you know famously saw roll and smash okay and then here is a man who i'm nervous because i do not see he does not appear to be in any costume here where are the later mike for mike bloom well to answer jess's question they're always underneath so it feels like less of a costume and more of a traditional wardrobe but today you can call me your local egghead Cause we're going through Scramble City, baby. <laughs> Does this okay. look like an egg? I'm really bad at arts and crafts. It's, it's early in the season, Mike. I have faith that you're gonna you're gonna step up your game as we go along. Mm-hmm. Listen, okay. it was a tough it was a tough night last night. Okay, there were two hours of Survivor. There was one hour of the Amazing Race. I got this idea at the last second, which uh, may you know lead into our conversation about this leg. But I'm I'm ready to to 
get through our first leg of a brand new season of The Amazing Race uh, that brings a lot of firsts, a lot of newness, but also a bit of the familiar as well. It was good to see The Amazing Race back for the first time in what, like, uh, six months, right? I think we ended in early mm-hmm. March. So it's felt like an eternity, yet an instant at the same time. Yes. And also uh, back on a night with Survivor, it's, um, you know, always fun to have, you know, uh, Survivor going right into The Amazing Race. Two hours of Survivor with one hour of The Amazing Race. I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, next week we're going to get 90 minutes of Survivor followed by 90 minutes of The Amazing Race on a Wednesday. Yeah, which is going to be interesting uh, because hopefully that'll give some more time to get to know these teams. I know we sort of got the bare bones introduction to them through the various packages throughout the episode. But I do think the scramble of it all stood front and center of this mm-hmm. proverbial dish. And so I'm hoping hoping not only a more you know regular episode of The Amazing Race in terms of structure, but also a longer episode will give us more time to get to know these teams without having to cram so much stuff into it. Okay, and we will talk about that in great detail today of uh, whether or not we're feeling the scramble here. Do we know, is is every leg going to be a, a scramble or are only certain legs going to be a scramble? I don't think we've heard, but I'm going to guess that we will probably go back to a more traditional format once we get going a little bit here. I think the scramble was more of a situation where they wanted to throw people off right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And if they started, if Mission they started, accomplished. yeah, they certainly did throw us off. Um, my question about the scramble is. Why is it called a scramble? Like, what does that have to do with driving or roads? Where's the road metaphor? And what is the road metaphor we should have Mm -hmm. used? Roundabout. Has there been a roundabout? There was a roundabout, I think, in an international season. I want to say they called the test the roundabout. I mean, that'd be interesting, right? It's comparable in that you sort of go around and you find your exit and you could exit in one of various places and you could get on in various mm-hmm. places. So it does feel like that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Is uh, scramble much more exciting than roundabout? Are roundabouts fair play? <laughs> Not fair trade. Fair trade. Uh, much like yeah. eggs. Yes. Yes. Okay, uh, so uh, we'll continue to talk about that all through this episode. I just uh, want to set up here. We are recording this on Thursday morning uh, that we are going to try to aim for this time slot for the Amazing Race recaps. And hopefully we will get these podcasts out to you uh, as early as possible by uh, Thursday afternoon. Also, uh, that we will have Amazing Race exit interviews. Of course, uh, Mike will be uh, getting his Amazing Race exit interviews for Parade.com. But uh, Jess and I will once again be talking with the Amazing Race contestants. We will drop those as a separate podcast in your podcast feed. Uh, You could subscribe to our Amazing Race only podcast feed or uh, get everything as part of our main feed at RobHasAWebsite.com slash subscribe and something that I'm uh, doing here in the month of September, we are going to be donating $2 to the uh, Boys and Girls Club of America for each new subscriber. We add to Rob has a podcast. That's at robswebsitecom slash subscribe. Okay. All right. This is was interesting way to uh, get started <laughs> here with our 12 teams because I really like, you know, it was so difficult to, you know, what we do is, you know, we're taking notes 
and and my notes are gibberish for trying to figure out what's going on with with the scramble. It was it was very difficult to get a sense of what was happening. Yeah, might as well be in German because it just looks like a completely different language to you. It, uh, yeah, it might have been. And really, you know, um, we had where Asta and Nina ended up coming in last. I, I, other than that, they left last. They stopped to, you know, talk to some people. I really can't even tell you why they lost. And this is a situation also where I don't think there was there was not a lot of separation between the teams across the board. Like it probably mm-hmm. wasn't more than a few minutes. I'm sure we'll find out, but there was probably not more than a couple of minutes between the last. In fact, we saw it. We yeah. saw the second to last place team seeing the last place team coming over the hill, but I don't think there was more than a couple of minutes between them and the entire rest of the pack, which also checked in with inside of each other. This was a leg where I don't think they actually cared too much about the competition. They wanted to throw people off their game. They wanted like everybody to be in a like 12 way tie for first place and last place simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, this was supposed to be, this was designed less to kick off a race and more to introduce the contestants to us. They spent so much more time on who the people were than they have in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. And it felt to me like the tasks were almost an afterthought. And in fact, I don't know if the two of you watched this, but CBS Sunday Morning had a, and I don't know why you would watch this because you're obviously not 60 years old, but CBS mm-hmm. Sunday Morning did a segment Speak about yourself. behind the scenes at The Amazing Race. Yes. Where they sent, you know, they sent a reporter to talk to Bertram and Elise and Phil and to fly on the plane with them to Munich and to run cool. the first leg as race testers. Mm-hmm. And they showed us literally every single task, how it worked. And what you'd have to do to find the pit stop. And basically, I watched the entire game mechanics of the first leg unfold in this five-minute segment. And there were no surprises for me when I watched the first leg because they literally did everything they did on the race. Just is CBS Sunday Morning hosted by Mo Rocca? He is a contributor. I don't okay. know if he's... I don't believe he's the main host. Mm-hmm. But he is a he's a usual contributor, and it's always surprising to see him talking to the to the boomer crowd. When I remember him most from the VH1, I yes. love the whatever. It's a weird mm-hmm. show. It's like that they have an aesthetic of like I don't know. They have like this like seventies like set design of like uh, like this like sun with like all these rays mm-hmm. shooting out mm-hmm. of it. Like we're just gonna keep this forever. This is just yep. we're gonna. We're going to keep oh, this. Listen, the sun and is timeless <laughs> from a, just a, uh, you know, an astronomical yeah. perspective. <laughs> yeah. That's basically all we have on this show is sort of like this, uh, like weird sun with shooting rays aesthetic. And uh, that that's the, that's the branding for this. And that and the piccolo trumpet. The piccolo mm-hmm. trumpet yes. is very important that's to the brand true. as well. Yes. Other than that, I really don't know anything about the show. Um, even I, not old enough to uh, watch it regularly, but I think I've seen it on at my mom's house. But all right. So, but so there was no surprises, but you, did you feel like just that then you had a real sense of like what was going on then? I mean, insofar as you could, but they were really reluctant to tell you how far ahead anybody mm-hmm. was. And I think it's because they couldn't figure out how to measure it themselves in terms of who's got what done. If you've all got, if you've all got two of three tasks done, you're all in a tie. Mm-hmm. And everybody seemed to, there was no point where somebody was, far enough ahead that you could really say this person is in third place and this person is in fourth place. 
it was yeah it was too hard to quantify and i think that made it feel like kind of a mess I also felt like that the three tasks that were chosen, uh, the smash, saw and roll, like I felt like that they all were tasks that were um, mostly you could just like power through them. And like I felt like that uh, they were all like uh, not exactly similar, but I felt like that on a night where I really expected, you know, Tim and Rex to struggle, that it seemed like that even though they seemed to get as lost as anybody, it just seemed like that if you were strong enough, you could just like power through like each of these tasks. Well, as we know from watching Tough as Nails, mm-hmm. there is a there is an element of working smarter, not harder, especially on mm. this on the saw task. Yes. And I was thinking about the fact that they've had to do this exact same thing on Tough as Nails, but they had to do it by right. themselves. The lumberjack challenge was back. It was back, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. If, if Murph and Danny had shown up as sort of like uh, mercenaries in this first leg, they would have finished first bar none. Sorry, you know, team, big brother. Phil had to be pounding the table of like, uh, we need a Murph and Danny team. I I am with Phil on that. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? Why is that not something they're making happen? Like Murph and Danny, they were former rivals. Can they work together? He's Savage Crew. He, he's uh, the other one. Dirty hands. Dirty hands. <laughs> <laughs> can they can they function effectively? They love that dynamic on Amazing Race where there's one really tall, big person and one really short person. Yeah, said, we already have Maybe Glenda and Lamumba. I was going to say, I think Glenn and Lamumba took that spot. I think you can have two teams with height discrepancies. Otherwise, people will be like, is this what we're doing now? Is this what the Amazing Race casting has resorted to? Just a measuring contest? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, all races are measuring contests when you really think about it, Mike. That's very true. Yeah, this. so this opening leg, it is interesting that, yeah, the tasks themselves, I mean, if you think about it, we only got three of them. And it's just due to the construct of this idea of the scramble that I think they were able to perhaps compensate or obscure the fact that there were only three tasks that were shown. And it was a little odd, like technically one of them, I guess, was the roadblock in the ice smashing, but that sort of got hidden amongst everything else that were just more generic tasks. What I will say about the scramble is I feel like it's one of those things that feels entertaining from a racer perspective and it was to a certain extent from our perspective right like the idea of them being able to pick what they want to do in what order is really great to put choice in the players hands from the players perspective and it was fun to get that initial uh, strategy right of okay can we pick where to go where do we plot out all the places to go first or do we just take off like marcus and michael but as you two have been pointing out from a storytelling perspective no bueno, uh, to quote a language that is not German that Asta is going to quote over the course of this episode. It's the, the Amazing Race is constructed in a very linear fashion where you can at any time track, usually, unless there are you know hidden tasks or people getting lost off camera, we can track their progress throughout to figure out how things are going. The fact that Emily and Molly seem, from my perspective, to be in dead last mm-hmm. for the vast majority of the leg and then come in fifth, I'm still fairly confused. I'm very excited to get the opportunity to do Exit Press again this season. One of them being to get to talk with Austin and Nina and be like, do you know what happened? Because from my perspective, it was either taking too long on getting directions or not being able to roll a keg is the reason why they were eliminated. And I have no idea if there were any other extraneous factors that contributed to that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to tell. And I think they were trying to economize so that we would have time to know all of the teams. And I don't even think they succeeded with that because we still had 12 teams to contend with. I noticed we spent a lot of time on the, we spent a lot of time on the mat at the beginning and they were talking to each other about who they were and what their relationship was, which I feel like is a fairly new editorial choice. Mm-hmm. And they did something. I was surprised that they didn't stick with this throughout the race, but there was one point where they showed us kind of a leaderboard yeah. and they had every team mm-hmm. up on the screen. And I thought, this is great. Are we going to get more of this? I want to be able to see this. This is such a great visual way to set this up. And then we never got it again. And 30 seconds after they showed it, I had no idea who was where doing what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because that there are 12 teams where I just don't know if the scramble worked with so many teams because I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, back in Amazing Race 32, uh, when we mm-hmm. were down to the final four, uh, I feel like that we had, I don't think it was branded as a scramble then, but that was mm. uh, in the final four of uh, Amazing Race 32. Yeah, where was, we had uh, they branded Will it the, and James. The, the city's yeah, the city sprint is the what city, they call it. Yeah. The city sprint, and I felt like that with four teams, and then ultimately they ended up that then they all had to like they were all in one place. I think that that they, I'm not sure if this was mandatory before they could get to the uh, checkpoint. They needed to do a puzzle, which everybody uh, just was like really really struggling with. Uh, but with four teams, I think it was easy to keep track of who's been where, who's done what. But it's the first episode. There's 12 teams. We don't know uh, any of these people other than, you know, Derek and Claire and Rex Ryan. And, you know, we're trying to get to know who's who. And then also trying to keep tabs of 12 different teams going to three different checkpoints. Yeah, it's it's way too much. I mean, even Amazing Race Australia had 20 teams this season, Mm -hmm. but they had the good sense to split it into 10 and 10 for the first leg. So you could at least get your bearings. And, you know, I I have no idea what's going on anymore. How did that work of like that? They did 10 people on the first leg and then and then the second episode, you saw 10 new teams. Yeah. Yeah. They had basically two leg ones and they had no idea there were other teams. They went to different cities, did different things, and then they met up on leg two. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Now there's 18 teams when we thought there were only nine. Yeah, that's the uh, the the reality TV fans dream, right? Like, how long have we talked about what if you had two different Survivor seasons happening at the same time? And then when they merged, they realized there was an entire other different island. I believe Kirk Clark played an ORG that did that exact thing. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah, to, to go to go to the survivor comparison, I think what the scramble was was the equivalent of that what if idea that we've always talked about of what if everyone started on one big tribe and like they went to tribal council in the first episode, right? And you had like 18 different votes happening where I think the excitement and the chaos is a little hampered by just a bit of the difficulty in tracking it from a viewer perspective now that being said like i still i still really enjoy this cast and i'm glad they got some time to shine i think unfortunately that this new idea that they tried i'm glad that they're trying new ideas it wasn't a complete success for me because i think it did sort of come at the cost of at least getting some intel from our perspective as to like how exactly these people are doing even for like who was struggling where i feel like there are only a couple of highlights that really stick out in my head Everyone else seemed to be like, 
okay to relatively good at all three tasks, whether that speaks to maybe Rob, your comment about the quality of the tasks themselves. I can't really think of that many people that had such a tough time with these. Honestly, the tasks were all like pretty easy. The The biggest task was finding the different spots. And maybe that was maybe even too hard for the first leg of the race where these teams really don't have their bearings yet. And then they're, you know, having to find like uh, all these different destinations uh four different uh spots that they had to find if you count the pit stop well how is that different from any leg of the amazing race rob they always have to go to a new city and find their bearings and and locate locations yeah locations. I, I, I guess so but i think it was you know uh self-driving right out of the gate in a new city um you know trying to find uh all, all these different spots where i feel like that there's not so much of that in a in a first leg it's sort of like okay go get on the plane go and then and then get to the thing there's taxis uh they're not like driving themselves uh right out of the gate but i guess there's going to be a lot of that in the new era of the amazing race yeah, unfortunately, I think the days of taxis are over. Mm -hmm. I, I like that, though. I, I like this idea because, again, it at least gave them the choice to be able to. And it's a little different in that, just as you mentioned, obviously, getting from one place to another is like the bread and butter and beer of the amazing race. But I like this idea of, OK, these are all the places you have to go figure out how you want to do it. And I love everything from, OK, let's just take off and we'll figure it out later to trying to big brain it and be like, okay, Phil is usually in somewhere open and wide and scenic. So therefore we should go do this thing last because that's definitely where he's going to be. But not we don't the even know if that statue. was right. We don't have, we have no idea. I think once you got one piece of the statue and it was a wing, if you are in Munich and you know, there's big statue with the big golden wing, mm -hmm. you might be able to, I think you could big brain it. I don't know, it could have been chicken tenders. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it could have, but yes, of course, the local Dairy Queen in Munich, mm -hmm. the fa most famed chain restaurant in the city. That's the pit stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't even seem like that there was like some like master uh, strategy that you could have used to like to do. OK, this makes sense. I should have done the tasks in this order, than this order, than this order. It was just, uh, you know, a matter of like whatever you felt like doing, it seemed like. It did. And there have been times and the show when this happens, the show doesn't tell the story of it, which I think is interesting. Uh, there have been times when location has factored into how a team placed because they chose a task that was further from the pit stop with no way of mm -hmm. knowing that, that was the case. And the example that I always go back to, because it was one that I saw with my own eyes, was Amazing Race 7. They went to Santiago, Chile and I was about to go there on vacation, so I watched the leg right before we left, and I noticed they had a detour right before the pit stop. One half of the detour was eight blocks from the pit stop. One half of the detour was right next door to the pit stop, and this oh, wow. was never this was never mentioned. Like you could literally see the detour location from the pit stop. This was never mentioned on the air, but it explained an inexplicable placing. Like why did some teams seem to check in much earlier, even though they were shown as getting there much later? And I think the show takes great pains not to have location factor in. They want you to think it's pretty fair, like the pros and cons of it are going to be in the tasks themselves and not necessarily in where the task is in relation to other things. But it happens all the time. Like they will go to the one that's geographically close to them because absent any other information. 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Normally, we would talk through the legs of the race and go through, you know, uh, how it broke down. But I think that that would be almost impossible to do it that way. So why don't we go through our 12 teams and then uh, go the, through them one by one and talk about what we learned about them and how they fared on the race. And I want to start with Asta and Nina, who I just thought were so fun. Really looking forward to getting the chance to talk to them. I'm so disappointed that we're losing them. I know like we complain about like uh, non-elimination legs, but I don't know if I, I maybe uh, people could point to where I have done this. I, I don't think I would ever complain about non-elimination in the first episode of the amazing race, because I feel like, especially with 12 teams that just feels like that we barely got to know these people and uh, they're gone for what? Yeah. I, and it's also tough as well. This may be probably the shortest first leg I can recall. I mean, Asa Nina will, I guess, tell us directly how long they spent out there on the course, but it really did seem like the sun was still very much in the sky, like the logo for CBS Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time Asa and Nina checked in, I would not be surprised if this was a, an, like maybe a six hour leg. And so even on top of that, this may be the team that besides the one that got eliminated at the starting line in Amazing Race 15 have spent the least amount of time on the Amazing Race as a team. Yeah, well, every time we've had 12 teams, they eliminate one before you get to the end of mm -hmm. the leg. And yeah. so at least they got to run a whole leg. But you know, okay, like we're planting our flag here. There will be a time where Phil is going to say, keep racing. Like it's mm -hmm. like they, I know they they said like, hey, no non-elimination legs. Like there's no room, there's no room Asterisk. for error, but you know, they're going to. So instead of doing that, like why couldn't we just have a uh, one leg where like, I mean, come on. Yeah, it just be, have Phil be like, burning. it's, yeah, it's the mega leg. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, had it been uh, a an team that, mega leg. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Had it been a team that I thought was less interesting, maybe I wouldn't be, you know, uh, so 
annoyed but, about this. But what team is that, Rob? They're all pretty interesting this season. I There's guess a couple so. where I don't really have a read on them yet, but yeah. nobody struck me as right. the team that All right, so I'm, let's go I mean, let's go in well, reverse I, order. Okay, okay. So then okay, okay so then right. we have uh then in 11th uh, 11th place. Okay. Um Aubrey and David I don't know her. Okay. Uh, that they, again, they seem like a fine, fine couple, but, um, I knew that they were not getting eliminated because I'm like, uh, like we have not seen anything about these people. This happens sometimes though. Like I remember maybe it was like amazing race 22. There was like a group of brother firefighters that like got eliminated first that we barely saw. It does happen on occasion mm-hmm. where maybe mm-hmm. you get a bit of the under edited first eliminated. I thought there was an outside chance. But yeah, I would agree that out of all 12 teams, including the ones that got eliminated, I think, unfortunately, they popped for me the least, right? Like their big claim to fame was this idea that they are Latin dancers. Unfortunately for them, they are not the only dancers on the cast. So I think even that feels a bit repetitive. I mean, again, I'm still sort of questioning why they were in the back of the pack. It seems like they got lost a couple times. Mm -hmm. But really outside of that, so I'll admit, I, I wasn't entirely sure if it was going to be them or Asta and Nina. Yeah. It could go in, in either direction where Asta and Nina were really big characters in and of themselves. And it could have been something like Gary and D'Angelo in the first leg where like they get this big edit and end up still surviving elimination. Uh, and it was only until, you know, Aubrey and David felt the same way, too, until they saw Asta mm-hmm. and Nina running up that path. They're like, Phil you tried your BS on us, convincing us that we were eliminated the entire time. We're on candid camera. You got us. Mm -hmm. It was very strange because I felt like they were trying to do that to the viewers too, especially by not telling us what place everyone was in. So it was like for a second, I thought, oh, are they the last people to check in? Because he didn't say what team number anybody was. I don't know what number we're up to. Maybe they did. What did I, did I miss somebody in there? Mm-hmm. Like who's still out there? And I felt like that was kind of cheap. And they have no branding. Uh, at least uh, uh, Luis and Michelle, who are the, uh, you know, uh, I know Luis is a firefighter and uh, Michelle is a dancer, but at least that they have like uh, team Croquetta. They've got, mm-hmm. they've got something. Aubrey and David uh, are really, like without like uh, an angle, I feel like. Yeah, but they're not the most boring team. Like Ooh. they have personality. Okay. I think like the team I couldn't get a read on at all is Team Croquetas. Yes. I okay. Mean, oh, interesting. Well, they, fi- they, they, have a, they have a food. Let's but talk. That's it. <laughs> they have a shirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. They uh, they have uh, finished in tenth place. So uh, what else about Team Croquetta? So that's interesting because I would I would actually disagree in that my preseason assumptions about these two teams flip flopped where I thought, okay, Luis and Michelle, they're married. It seems like they know each other. Well, Aubrey brands herself as like this crazy entrepreneur. Right. So this is going to be the big sort of like combustive personality that they're going to have a bit of the arguing couple happening with with Aubrey and David. No, no, no. At least one leg in, Luis and Michelle were by far doing the most arguing mm-hmm. out of any team, particularly on that sauce. So color me surprised from that perspective. Again, a little confusing in that they seem to be doing really well starting off, but then they got in third to last place. So I don't know if it was as simple as like they were having difficulty on the saw. We knew they got passed a few times by other teams or what, but it was a very up and down day, both in terms of tasks and temperament for Luis and Michelle. 
trying to find my notes. I think I spent a very high draft pick in our draft on Aubrey and David, and I'm not feeling great about that today. <laughs> it's all right. I spent a pretty high draft pick on Austin and Nina. How do you think I feel? <laughs> yes. All right, Listen, but at we least scrambled up the draft order. Yeah, at least we're saying they were robbed. They're you, fun. They're is, fun. So what I get when I don't let George do my picking for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. He hasn't seen it yet. He doesn't have a pick. And, but yeah, I don't know. I I didn't even feel like as far as arguing goes it didn't even feel like that was i maybe i'm jaded i didn't mm-hmm. think that felt mm-hmm. like a lot of arguing yeah I don't nobody think argued were, that much they were not the most emotional people yes. out on the course either uh well i think that that would probably go to the team that came in ninth place that was rich and dumb exactly mm-hmm. i thought this was kind of extra for being the first leg mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned about their longevity yeah, yeah that was uh I mean, listen, is it was a very comparable night between like here are, you know, two characters on our CBS reality shows that have rainbow hair. Mm-hmm. They're maybe a bit emotional in the very beginning of what should be a very long reality competition. Luckily, the curse does not play out across both shows. But yeah, they, they were sort of like surprisingly vo- volatile is a tough word to say. I think there's a negative emotion attached when obviously they are very much literally what they say before they open every clue, right, is love and light. Like, they're trying to put that positivity out there. But it's interesting because I kind of feel like that there is, like, a little bit of, like, conflict in that where that, you know, before they open the clue, it's like, okay, love and light, namaste. Uh, But then also at the same time that I I felt like that Dom, like, has, like, an intensity uh, at Mm -hmm. certain points. Uh, And uh, I think that that's going to be interesting to sort of, like, uh, watch that sort of like okay uh trying to reconcile like peace and love but also like you know this like hot intensity yeah and you know we have learned over and over watching amazing race that just because you are someone that wears your heart on your sleeve that doesn't mean you're going to be a bad racer or that you're not going to do well on the course Mm -hmm. it's you know we've seen teams win the race screaming at each other the whole way Mm-hmm. Or we've seen teams win the race with one person screaming and one person doing the tasks the whole way. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're a bad racer if you get upset about things. It just felt like leg one was a little bit soon to be bringing out this much emotion, which that was the that was the thing that worries me about them. But also it's going to make them fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think these are going to be some of the biggest characters of this season particularly Dom. Uh, I think she is a star in her own right. Uh, that fire burns hot and it burns bright. Uh, considering, again, we even saw mm-hmm. in this opening episode, I don't want to tear shame, but like she finishes rolling the keg and starts crying. And it's like, dude, you've been on the course for like four hours. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, they are a team to watch, certainly here in this season. They seem to struggle the most with the saw also. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the saw was... Uh, the saw was probably my favorite task out of the three. Cause I think that was the first use of teamwork. And much like we were talking about before, right? Yeah. The whole work smarter, not harder. And you get to see like how observational people are uh, versus some people who just want to like physical brute force it. I think you got some information about teams in there. And yeah, one of the things with Rich and Dom is uh, Dom freaking out a bit. Maybe it was just that she didn't want, uh, you know, that gnome hat to cover those beautiful locks. But at the same time, when they felt like they were expending too much energy, it almost ended up becoming this disastrous cycle where they kept freaking out more, which made them perform worse, which made them freak out more. Okay. 
Then uh, in eighth place this week was Abby and Will, who I thought seemed very fun, maybe got their most screen time on the mat where they were like at the beginning of the episode and then again on the end, uh, sort of like geeking out about being on The Amazing Race. But I kind of felt like that in between, we didn't really see much of them. Yeah, couldn't tell you how they did. Mm -hmm. I don't remember them being at any of the tasks, but okay. It places fine for leg one. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it seemed like that they I felt like that were pretty quick, like out of the gate. I feel like that we saw them complete a task like uh, pretty quickly. But then I was surprised to see them this far back. I mean, it wasn't really that far back, though. It was really a six way tie Mm -hmm. for fourth place. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, there was an entire like group of essentially half the racers who all checked in at the same time, essentially. Mm-hmm. So as something I'd also be interested to ask, you know, Austin, Nino specifically, but to find out from other teams down the line is I'm a little surprised there was not more cooperation in this first leg. Right. Like when you have the choice to go ed- anywhere and everywhere that you want to go, I'm surprised that more teams weren't like at the saw task asking okay, who still has the ice to do? Do you want to work together to get there and get to the pit stop? It only really seemed like, you know, the guy-guy teams and Michael and Marcus and Rex and Tim did that at the very end, but I'm surprised there wasn't more collusion just given the general chaotic nature of the scramble. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, you mentioned uh, the guy teams. Okay, Uh, let's talk about Rex and Tim, who I thought were in a lot of trouble to start off uh, this hour of television. I really felt like that, like midway through, I'm like, all right, it's between Tim and Rex and Asta and Nina for last place because Tim and Rex like drove around forever before they even got to their first task. But then I guess they just powered through. I mean, you have to imagine that Rex Ryan is somebody that knows how to work under pressure. And knows a thing or two about a keg. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I feel like we may have been projecting onto them. Mm -hmm. I think we said at the beginning of the season, there is no way these guys are going to do well. And it was just like, I think perception, our perception was then that they were not doing well when they were probably doing more or less okay. Mm-hmm. And and you know how the Amazing Race can make a meal out of somebody screwing something up for 30 seconds. They could have been screwing it up for 30 seconds or they could have been screwing it up for two hours. And we won't know what really happened because the Amazing Race will decide for us what they want us to think. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think we just decided for us that the little bit of trouble we saw them having was actually a lot of trouble because we had we came in preconditioned to think that Rex and Tim are not going to do well. Now, yeah. do I think this oh, yeah. means that they are going to do well? Probably not. I'm sticking with my, I'm sticking with my prediction, but yeah. they did better than I thought. And I have to give them a lot of props for that. Oh yeah. We definitely underestimated them, particularly I think in the physical department, uh, this is information that came out obviously on the episode, but like, Tim essentially is a power lifter and Rex Ryan lost 50 pounds to come onto yeah. the race. So he famously had a uh, gastric bypass uh, while he was a coach of the Jets and then uh, lost a lot of weight. But I do think that then uh, over time that that can come back. So uh, good for Rex to uh, have slimmed down to compete on the amazing race. Uh, he did a great job on pushing the keg. I mean, I guess that is a little bit kind of like a blocking drill of, you know, like uh, pushing the 
the keg. And I think that Rex has probably done that uh, in his personal life uh, at some point of uh, moving a keg around. But yeah, um, can we talk for a second, though, Rob, as the Rex Ryan expert sure. on this panel? I love that title um, for me. <laughs> have his teeth always been that yeah. shiny? Yeah, he has he has a very odd, like fake teeth. Um, I'm not sure at what point uh, that he has those. And I, I don't know if it's like a, a, a denture or a veneer or um, what. But yeah, he I, I think he'll joke about it. I mean, Rex has a great sense of humor. He will joke around about uh, the the foot fetish thing. Like uh, there's really the nothing. What? Yeah, oh, you don't know. Just you. Don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need clarification. Okay. Oh, oh, so you don't, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Reference to this for like ever since the cast has been announced. Yeah. So yeah this yeah. is uh, okay. This is very. I'm, I'm surprised. Okay, you don't know this. Okay. I, I uh, usually do know when somebody in the world of famous people well, has a weird. And, fetish, and again, but this, this time isn't I don't. really you know talking out of school. Rex Ryan. Uh, like we'll talk about this uh, himself, but I believe it was in. Uh, this like late uh in the in 2010 uh that there had was, been yeah. some videos on Earth of uh Rex Ryan and his uh, longtime wife uh engaging in some uh consensual role play uh videos of um involving I, I don't remember the exact circumstances of that um having to do with uh filming her feet i don't know if there was like a like a third party also we don't yuck anybody's yeah. yum well, good um, for him but good for him yeah. for keeping but it spicy this was at at the time he was the head coach of the new york jets uh this was a big uh, media tabloid story and you know uh since since that time rex has been you know so hey he loves he loves feet he loves his wife's beautiful feet and uh, doesn't mind uh, talking about how how great his wife's feet look. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was like a picture. I want to say in like 2015 or 2016 that had like Rex Ryan sitting at his desk and there was like a framed photo of someone's feet behind <laughs> him. So like he's yeah. in it for the means. And look, considering yes. uh, the other things that NFL head coaches can get into, this is yeah, yes. much, uh, much less uh, controversial than yeah, things respect. that other coaches respect. respect. And, and you know, he's uh, he's upfront about it. He owns it. Uh, he actually has been doing, um, you know, some uh, promotional work for Doctor Scholl's currently. So uh, Rex Incredible. is one of a kind. Yeah, I mean, I guess they can't get Quentin Tarantino. They'll get Rex Ryan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we'll 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 see exactly uh, how this, but like a great job I, I thought for Tim and Rex. Uh, they ended up meeting up with Marcus and Michael towards the end, who I think that were uh, the team that probably looked like that they were uh, headed towards a first place finish, and then ultimately had some turmoil that uh, dropped them down to sixth place. Yeah, I was surprised with how just like steadfast these two were right out of the gate, right? Essentially saying, all we need is one location. We'll figure out the rest. Marcus has lived in Munich before. Like we don't need, we'll, we'll be able to figure it out as we go along. And yeah, it worked for that first task. And then after that, it all basically fell apart. And this oftentimes happens on the amazing race where some teams will be 
in for a wake-up call. They'll make a mistake early on. Look no further than last season's winners, right, with Penn's infamous, uh, is this a clue? Is this not a clue? I don't understand. And then that taught them moving forward a very important lesson. I think Marcus and Michael hopefully have that lesson as well of like, take your time. You know, uh, you're in the military. It's all about strategy. It's all about battle plans. Just don't rush headfirst into battle and expect to brute force your way through things. It does end up working out for them just fine. They end up in the middle of the pack. But I did think there was a portion of the episode where, again, maybe it's a bit of my own confusion as to where everybody was, but I'm like, oh, are they are they going home? Like, they seem to get incredibly lost within Munich. I had a question relating to that, actually, because I saw them... I saw them in particular struggling with this. Everybody seemed to have the same map. Were they given maps? Were the maps like waiting in the car? Because that's new. I, so. I would I would imagine so. Because usually what like, if, usually when teams were flying into countries right on their own planes, they would just buy stuff in the gift shop. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if, they, if the car that they drove included a map in it because they knew it was going to be entirely located within Munich for the lake. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that makes sense. Because usually you have time to create your own resources, and they definitely didn't. Yeah, I was uh, surprised that Marcus and Michael uh, had so much trouble, like uh, being on the same page. Uh, you know, they are brothers. Uh, they are both coming from a military background. I'm not sure if maybe that there was an issue with like, you know, okay, who's the general and who is you know following orders in the team, but. I am looking forward to, I was not expecting them to have so much internal conflict on this team. Yeah. And I did love, uh, again, like, you know, number one draft pick, I think a lot, a team that a lot of us were high on just because they seem to check a lot of boxes, but I always love when push comes to shove, how sometimes that doesn't bear out and how much like Tim and Rex surprise, we were sort of surprised by Marcus and Michael the other way, like Marcus thinking, uh, this hay bale, this is not an obstacle. This is a ramp. I'll just roll it right over and it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you can't do that? That's no good? You can't do that? Doesn't, uh, it's frowned upon. It's frowned upon? Yeah. It should also be noted, though, that I believe, didn't Marcus and Michael say that they like only see each other like once or twice a year? Mm-hmm. So I guess we almost discounted as well the fact that they're, they might not be as close as we may think, or at least they're not interacting as regularly with each other as we may have assumed to give them just that natural synergy. Yeah. Yeah. But we have a lot of studies in nurture over nature mm-hmm. on this particular <laughs> this particular season of Amazing Race, which leads us into the next team we want to talk about. Right. Yeah. OK. So I guess this was probably then the biggest surprise uh, in the positive uh, way in the team's results, because uh, we saw where and I, I get I don't understand because I feel like that, you know, <laughs> uh, Rex, I feel like that Rex and Tim were departing. The saw task, and they had just completed their second, and Emily and, and Molly were showing up. I feel like that they had only had uh, one task accomplished at that point, and they were like, oh, this looks tough. Everybody's very sweaty. Uh, and then they come out fifth place. Boom. Low center of gravity, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I would chalk it up to. Yeah. And while the twin telepathy may not be working yet... Very strong first week for Emily and Molly. Yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm re- I'm really excited that they lasted uh, the at least this leg because again their story truly is one for the ages. I think the reaction on the match to their story is incredibly appropriate, just given how 
wackadoo it ends up being. And again, if the entire onus of this race is for them to get to know each other for mm-hmm. the first time in 36 years, like I want to see more of that. Uh, and so I, I'm grateful that they have more time to do so. And it turned out relatively successfully. Yeah, again, I'm not sure how it all panned out. From the edit, it made it seem like Marcus and Michael and Tim and Rex were ahead of this big-ass group, but then they fell behind trying to find like the underpass to the pit stop, and so the other teams passed them on the way. Again, that might be editing trickery, but I agree. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it was just a matter of they got off to a slow start because they got all the locations, but they couldn't navigate their way to the first place, and then once they did, they were able to like get their feet under them and be able to make their way into a middle-of-the-pack finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some more background also on how they ended up meeting uh, that uh, one of their daughters ended up taking the 23andMe, which ended up uh, getting uh, the two connected. But again, uh, just such a wild story about the twins separated at birth. That had to be one of their first thoughts is like, oh, I have an identical twin I don't know about. We could definitely go on The Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like a soap opera, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, put put them on Bold and the Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Screw the Big Brother contestants uh, this year in particular. Like, this is a story that is, yeah. you cannot write this stuff. Of well, the daughter just Mike, says, oh, I want to... I mean, it is the plot of Star Wars, okay? So you can write this stuff, okay? It's also the yeah. plot of the parent trap. Mm-hmm. And like every ABC family original series ever. So yeah, it's just really interesting to see it play out, I suppose, in reality of like, yeah, I just want to find out like what percentage Irish I am. Oh, by the way, mom, you have a sibling you didn't know about. (laughs) Yes, you shared a womb. Okay, so good first week for uh, Emily and Molly. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's talk about the fourth place finisher, a feel-good story from the premiere. It is father and daughter team, Lytton and Sharik. They did great. I was really impressed mm-hmm. with them, like, across the board. Everything we saw of them, they really just, like, rolled with the punches. Yeah. Uh, they aced it on the Lumberjack Challenge. Uh, that uh, Linton was a madman smashing the ice. No problem rolling the kegs, and boom. There you go. There's not yeah. much to be said, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. No, it, it seems like um, maybe unlike, you know, some other parent-child teams, we saw this as recently as Ruin and Natalia, it doesn't seem like there's any combustible aspects yet in terms of, you know, generational gaps or arguments that they can get into. There was a weird moment in the ride to the pit stop when Sharik's like, I don't want to get too confident. And I was like, oh, okay, so they're going to get lost and maybe get eliminated. But nope, they finish in fourth place. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how they did 
listen, age is mm-hmm. just a number as Linton showed here. And yeah, I think they were one of the first ones to really display to us like how to correctly do the log task, which is again, small motions in a quicker pace rather than like the big typical back yes. and forth that you yeah. usually see. And you got to find well, the rhythm. That's why they had a band playing. Yes. Well, J- Jess, do you feel like that? Because if they're such big, amazing race fans, do you think that by proxy, they were tough as nails fans? I mean, it probably doesn't hurt you with Phil if you can talk tough as nails with him. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like you go into, yeah. you go onto the starting mat and you're like, by the way, Phil really loves tough as nails. He's going to go easy on you for the entire race after that. Or just like very subtly, like, hey, uh, Phil, this uh, challenge looks like it's going to be a real uh, wang dang doodle, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Yeah, just float float that phrase out there. It's like the friend of Dorothy for Tough as Nails fans. (laughs) Like uh, Phil's like, okay, you're instantly my favorites. Okay. In the top three now. Uh, we had where it was a uh, Quentin and Maddie. Yeah. Also, there's a Linton and a Quentin, and in no way is that going to be confusing. <laughs> no. Yeah. Maybe maybe not. we'll do a part. Maybe we'll do that partner swap at one point, like they did in season thirty, and Linton and Quentin will have an excuse to work together. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So they had a pretty strong uh first episode. I mean, I think that maybe their one standout moment was uh. Quentin's performance in the keg rolling. Yeah, he knows. Like he knew he exactly fell down how to and got back yeah. up. Yeah, he also knew how to stand. Like it felt like he was really balanced. Like once he figured that out, and my back hurt watching everybody roll these kegs. Like it just did not look comfortable. And he was the only one that looked like he had the flexibility to really not have it affect him. Mm-hmm. Push it over the finish line. So uh, good for Quentin and Maddie. No um, bonding with Rex, I feel like, over their shared uh, work in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, you'd, you'd think there'd be some smoke there, but considering that Rex worked only with AFC teams, right? And they represented the NFC. Like, I don't think the, the Rams ever faced the teams that he uh, talked about in a Super Bowl or anything. Yeah, well, it's a good thing they didn't talk after the opening game between uh, the Bills and the Rams. That might have been uh, maybe uh, potentially some uh, fireworks. Yeah, I wonder, do you think they have loyalty for the team? I mean, they have since moved on. I'm not sure if it ended amicably. I guess it had to for them to like really advertise. Or the cheerleaders? The cheerleaders. Uh, And I guess (laughs) they are wearing like Ram-esque colors. So I guess uh, things ended on an okay note. But otherwise, yeah, they might be like, yeah, we love you, Rex. Screw the Rams. Yeah, I'm not sure how professional cheerleaders work that I feel like that they're probably like maybe like in the 70s and 80s. Like, okay, you sort of like go and work for your local team. But I don't know if you're like a professional cheerleader. Is it sort of like uh, you sort of like a catch as catch can like uh, going to different uh, cities and trying out for different squads? I mean, from what I understand, it's not a very high paying job and most of them have day jobs. So most of them are local to where they are. But I suppose if you're in L.A., you have a few options. Mm-hmm. Like you could go try out for the Raiders and you could try out for the Rams and you could even go a little further afield and try out for the Chargers if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But most of them do it because they love to dance. And they want the opportunity to have a professional dance outlet but mm-hmm. it's not it's not a lucrative career by any means so i don't think it's something like you would not the rams would not trade their best cheerleaders to another team for um, a draft pick 
Well, uh, yeah, actually, the, the Rams trade away all their draft picks. Uh, that's sort right, of like exactly. uh, their emergent strategy of uh, to get back maybe Ooh, the best cheerleaders. Maybe that could have been a thing of like, OK, we'll trade away these cheerleaders in exchange for Von Miller. And that was the big deal <laughs> last season. And that's why they're no longer Rams cheerleaders. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. OK. Uh, and then, OK, uh, it took a while before we saw anything from... Uh, Glenda and Lamumba, uh, but was a very strong finish coming in second place. We wouldn't know yeah. that because Phil didn't tell us, but mm-hmm. they're assuming yeah. we can do the, math. I thought they were going to be, you know, big personalities of the season and that they really did not get any sort of mention or airtime. Like, I feel like in the first like 30 minutes, Phil didn't acknowledge them at the mat to open the episode. But then they sort of like uh, going through and doing the tasks. Uh, we did spend some time with them. Yeah, I would also say that about Quentin and Maddie as well. Outside of Quentin takes a tumble, like not a lot from them, surprisingly. Maybe it's just because they had less of a chaotic leg than a lot of other people. But yeah, I think the highlight for Glenn and Lamumba were probably some other one-liners, right? Lamumba saying that they met at church. I looked directly into her eyes. She looked right above my head. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'll see. If those jokes do have some length to them or height, perhaps, if, if they're going to keep going or if we're going to see more of their dynamic, because, again, they are newlyweds. So I'd imagine that, like, some of them getting to know each other's strengths and weaknesses will come out. But they happily surprised me this leg. I think they did a really solid performance throughout. And I, I love how much Lamumba loves Glenda. Like, he worships her mm-hmm. feet uh, in a way that perhaps Rex would as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really enjoy them. Uh, I think that they're super funny. Uh, Looking forward to seeing more from them. And then let's talk about the team that came in first place. Uh, This is super fun to have them here on The Amazing Race. They had a lot of fun moments in the premiere. It's Claire and Derek X. Poor Derek X. He can't even. He's the only Derek on his season and he still has to be Derek X. Yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're talking to Rob C right now. So I think he understands the struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the other Derek, uh, when uh, Julie Chen Moonves was announcing that the cookout will be returning, uh, she referred to him as Derek F also. So I think both the Derek's uh, still get the last uh, initial treatment. I guess so. I'm mean, Claire must be pretty thrilled to have Glenda on the race because she's for once, she's not the tallest woman in the room. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, Derek and Claire, uh, a lot of fun, uh, that they sort of got one of the first profiles of the season. Uh, we got to see them, uh, right after team Croquetta get onto the, the log flume. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? The splash mountain beginning to the amazing mm-hmm. race. It's the slowest ride in the universe. Mm-hmm. But I, also, but I love the fact that they didn't know it was a ride right until halfway through. They were like, wait, this is a very steep grade. Wait, are we going to go mm-hmm. down there? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, it was it was a little ridiculous, but I, I kind of loved it. Uh, and again, it went along with, I think, sort of like almost the theme park aspect of this first episode. Right. Like the scramble can almost be, OK, let's tackle all the Disney parks in one day. Right. Like that's a scramble task in and of itself. OK, do we go to Animal Kingdom first or do we go to Epcot? That's essentially yeah. what they were doing this leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so uh, would love to see more rides incorporated into uh, the Amazing Race. For Derek and Claire, 
Uh, it was, yeah, a, a really easy first leg for them. No difficulties like uh, whatsoever. And uh, boy, Derek X was really pumped up that they got uh, first <laughs> place. He was incredulous. Well, he was very pumped up. I loved him going up to the ice block, right? And like putting on a show for the cloud, specifically him pile driving the rubber chicken, which why was there <laughs> yeah. a rubber chicken there? <laughs> we don't know. So many yeah. questions. So so many and, questions. And then it cuts, but, cuts yeah. to Claire like tapping her watch. I think that's going to be like, and not to say that Claire isn't goofy in and of herself. She definitely has those abilities, but like, that is probably going to be their dynamic is that I do think Derek X is a very lighthearted person, but their dynamic works so well. Again, like if you haven't been following them on social media, you don't necessarily know their dynamic because again, they got together once they were evicted in Big Brother, but God, I ship it. I ship it like that log flume they were running down. Like they're so good together. I love the balance of like brains and begrudging brawn and Derek being like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess I'm mm -hmm. the muscle here. For what it's worth though, yeah. he like, cleave that ice block in three parts immediately. Yeah. yeah so with, with Derek X and Claire, just uh, their dynamic for people that didn't watch them on Big Brother, where I feel like that, well, uh, Claire like has like a very like dry sense of humor. Like Derek X kind of has like big golden retriever energy. <laughs> I, I yeah, think it makes very... a nice balance though. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So uh, very, very fun to watch them. I mean, uh, they got for first place. Uh, Derek X uh, couldn't believe it. Well, you need you. You don't get cast on The Amazing Race if you can't turn it up to 11. Mm hmm. And there's yeah. a reason and that will, this guy's been on three reality shows so far. Mm -hmm. And I, and I will say, uh, if, if you want a more of a glimpse into like, OK, how much prep did they do? I know the great Sharon Tharp did an interview with them that came out, I think, the day before the season premiere about the prep that they went into. Uh, much like we speculated, there was indeed like a big preparatory Bible that mainly Claire's parents contributed to. So depending on how they do this season, Mr. and Mrs. Refuse might become like the new go to preseason source for amazing race preparation. I mean, so that's interesting. It might be one of these situations where if you go on one of the CBS reality shows and you find love like ridiculously, that's got to be in the back of your head the second you realize, oh, I'm actually going to be in a relationship with this person. I should probably start thinking about the amazing race now. I mean, mm -hmm. listen, uh, not only from the, the racers perspective, Jess, I mean, Rob, how many posts have we seen the past week of like when Taylor and Joseph go on to the amazing race? It just seems like an inevitability. And I don't know if it's, you know, with the influx of like Jess and Cody winning and then all the big brother teams on season 31. I will say, though, like for whatever reason, we are starting to get a really positive correlation between these big brother teams doing well, whether it's like preparation for the camera or just their skill set or their dynamic but they're sort of picking up where jess and cody went left off and dominated this first leg pretty much start to end that's why i drafted mm -hmm. him first mm -hmm. yeah i mean even uh victor and nicole were uh right there i had actually uh got the chance to speak to victor and nicole uh this week it was a, a very brief conversation <laughs> uh and that victor and nicole are doing a press tour talking about that they are involved with a company called Baby Ganix and somebody is going to win a year's supply of diapers. And they apparently they like to talk about poop, Nicole said, and uh, they are helping to spread the word about uh, this contest to win a year's supply of diapers. 
even Rex Ryan's like, that's a little too far. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to broach that topic yeah. of conversation. It was a very brief conversation, but you can hear that in the podcast feed uh, that my uh, catching up very briefly with Victor and Nicole. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So really high prospects for Derek and Claire at this point. I really didn't see a point of them stumbling. They seem very fun together. They seem very good together. So yeah, I, I think they're, they're one to look at, I would say moving forward. Now they may hit their task that they end up uh, inevitably, you know, faltering on, but it seemed like they did a great job between just navigating, communicating, doing the task themselves. They, they really checked all those boxes and it led to this, Again, fairly dominant first place finish in a leg where like six teams all finished within eyesight of each other. It seemed like, you know, nobody was around Derek and Claire when they ended up finishing in first. Yeah, that Claire said, like, I don't know, are we in last place or are we in first place? And I I do think that that was a a thing that was kind of interesting about the the scramble because that while we were scrambled the teams were uh very disoriented and uh they were like sort of like without their bearings of uh what was going on um just just texted me that her internet uh, has gone out so hopefully uh once we uh just gets back online we'll get her back in yeah, so I think, unfortunately, Marcus, I believe, rolled a keg over the, the internet cable, and unfortunately, it's severed at the moment. Because again, it's an obstacle, Marcus. You go around it. You don't go through it. I've read we were going on a bear hunt too many times to know that that preposition doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're going to have Jess back with us. Jess, okay. But internet connection did not like it when you started talking about poop. <laughs> Sorry about that. Wait till they find out what a putrid is. <sighs> I'm glad we've cleared that out. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I don't want to know. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will agree with what you said, though, Rob, that again, this was probably something that really worked out to the team's advantage about the scramble. Right. Is that it removes the anxiety almost of like, oh, we could be in last place of like, well, we don't know if we're in first place either, at least from my own mental health perspective. Like it would be much more relieving for me to say, ah, who knows where we are at this point? We could be in first. We could be in last. Let's just put down our heads and keep working rather than when you know you're in the back of the the pack, like that could certainly manifest in some anxiety that could almost make you perform worse knowing that you have a lot of ground to make up. But just, do you feel like that teams could also just like not even realize that they are in first place and then be sort of like panicking and screwing things up because they're worried because of the scramble? I don't think a team will ever feel like they're in last place place when they're really in first place Mm -hmm. i think that's i think being in danger is kind of a binary like like you get a sense of like if if you screw something small up it might throw you off your game or more or less getting the tasks done you have to assume somebody somewhere is screwing up yeah so i think i think it's i think you could think maybe i'm not in first but you wouldn't necessarily think i'm in last okay Anything else from this first hour of The Amazing Race we want to make sure we highlight here? I think a couple of locals I want to shout out. You mentioned, of course, yes. the, the German music that played during the Saw. But of course, gotta love Mr. Who's just, you know, staying there the entire time. One of my favorite Amazing Race go-tos, right, are the sort of people who are both embodying the culture, but also a bit trolly 
at the same time, uh, Jess, I'm thinking back to one of your favorites, the infamous eating the spicy soup in Hungary, where the band kept playing almost even louder as people were puking into their bowls. Uh, and I will also shout out the guy at the pit stop. Trying to remember, was this like Amazing Race 20, where they had one of those detour tasks where you had to like style somebody's weird facial hair to win a contest? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure... I don't know if that was in Germany too or in another one of these Eastern European countries, but I'm glad to see that sort of return in spirit in the form of this pit stop greeter. Mm-hmm. Was it Derek X that said, uh, I like your beard? And, and the guy's like, oh, it's, I mean, yeah, thanks. It's just like, yeah, I, I think this my- was, this is one of the more visually, <laughs> I was born with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was a fun first hour of the show. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we are going to be able to uh, get to know some of these teams better. I think the 90 minute episode next week will help. It'll be interesting to see what a 90 minute episode of The Amazing Race looks like uh, and really how we ended up in this situation where um, I feel like it was a survivor that wanted the. 90 minute episode, but I, maybe it was just like a CBS uh, that they thing that they didn't have the, the love boat ready to go. <laughs> oh no, it was still, yeah, they had to, to warm up the O'Connell couple and say, all right, we got to keep this in docked for a little bit longer. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by it. I mean, in general to like talk a bit survivor as well. I'm wondering if this is a bit of like a test balloon for CBS because for so long, right. Especially with winners at war, people have been beating the drum, right. Of like, Give us uh, episodes that are longer than an hour. Not nearly enough is, is being shown on the show. Uh, you know, obviously, CBS not give them two hour episodes for Winners of War like they wanted. Uh, but I think that maybe going with 90 minute episodes might be able to, I don't know, be a nice, happy medium. And if this ends up working out, this could be something we see as soon as like Survivor 44 and Amazing Race 35, whenever that ends up happening, which I think could be a, a brand new way of you know, being able to parse out a lot of content across a longer span of time. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting just from like a sort of like a CBS perspective of, uh, you know, like uh, from a cost savings of like, would it be uh, how much cheaper to just do 90 minute episodes of Survivor and Amazing Race rather than having to pay to have a third show made to air in this slot. But I don't even know if that would be possible for uh, the other shows. Yeah. So we'll see what happens next week. I think I spoke about this last week that outside of premieres, I don't think we've had like a 90 minute episode of The Amazing Race. Again, we only had three tasks this week. I am expecting a bit of a return to form next week. So I imagine we're going to get, we had a roadblock this week, but like more of our, our typical, you know, roadblock, detour, task, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, I don't think they knew about this ahead of time. So I don't think we're going to see like an overstuffed leg full of tasks. And so hopefully that'll then include more time with the teams to flesh out these dynamics. Because again, I like the way that I think since around season 30 or so, they've been parsing those introductions out through them racing instead of stopping Mm -hmm. down in the very beginning, right? To be like, here, we're introducing each team and here's their, you know, package. Uh, I like that we sort of got to know them as the the leg went along. I'd still like to see more, especially from some of these teams like your Glenn and Lumumba's, your Linton and Shariq's, your Quinton and Maddie's, your Luis and Michelle's, Aubrey and David's. Again, I name like half the teams that are left. And so I'm hopeful 90 minutes and the tasks in particular will give us an opportunity to 
get to know this really intriguing cast some more uh, so then we can have our hearts broken when they get eliminated at the end of next episode. Okay. I am looking forward to uh, our exit interview later on today. Uh, Jess and I will speak with Asta and Nina. Be sure to uh, watch your podcast feed for that. Mike, uh, what's coming up for you? Gee, golly, gosh, a whole lot of things. So, yeah, it was a big. I mean, listen, we are in the middle of a hurricane of reality TV on CBS right oh now. Oh, my God. Right. Like we just started up Survivor 43, uh, just had their big two hour premiere. I know, Rob, you and I will both be speaking with the first person voted out today at the time of recording this. I'll also be doing the RHAP B&B with Liana Boris. We're opening back up. Uh, this week, we'll be joined by The Mess Magnets and Kirsten oh. McInnes and Sasha Joseph. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of mess to get into, namely around one Mike Gabler, and I'm sure a lot of other things to uh, talk about as well with that. Big Brothers finishing up. I will be doing Exit Press for Big Brother the night of the finale. It's going to be a oh, long wow. night, but I'm very excited. I'll be talking with the top three and America's favorite house guests right after the episode airs. Uh, so check out that at parade.com. And then over on post show recaps, uh, I was off on the uh, the House of the Dragon episode recap because ironically enough, I was attending a wedding, but I still had the opportunity to talk about the show alongside Latanya. Was yours better than uh, House of the Dragon? Well, it was on Long Island, so there were rats there drinking blood, but I think that's just sort How of like part of the natural flora yeah. and fauna yeah. uh, of, of mm -hmm. Long Island. No offense, uh, but I got to join Latanya Starks on the Versus podcast where we compared it against episode five of Game of Thrones, which had... An alarmingly similar amount of DNA, much like Emily and Molly, uh, in terms of cross-comparing them. Still covering Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power as well. So, yeah, all that stuff happening. And I am, I'm schlepping out all the things that I get the opportunity to do at Parade.com. And, yeah, Asta and Nina, uh, I, I feel like we haven't talked about it a lot. I'm really excited to speak with them. I think Asta, in particular, just had such an infectious energy where it wasn't in particular, like, all over the place but she just seemed like such a fun person to go to whether it be like her random diatribe about the the german language in the car or the way she was dryly talking about her team i think she and nina balanced each other out really well in terms of those personalities you could see why they fit together so well as a couple it just didn't work out for them as a race team but considering how much asta really wanted to be on the race being on it for one leg is better than none and so i'm glad to hear that they treasured the experience and i'm looking forward to hearing them talk to me more about it Okay, uh, looking forward to that later on today. Jess, I know I uh, had some uh, technical issues here late in the podcast. Uh, Jess, what's coming up for you? Um, well, we have this going on. Uh, last night was the, well, two nights ago was the finale of Amazing Race Canada. And so Dan Heaton and I will be getting together tonight to talk about everything that happened in that leg. And one of the better Amazing Race finales I've seen in a long time, honestly. Ooh. So very excited to get talking about that. And I have been in touch with the winning team and they do want to do a deep dive, but I do not know when that will happen. Uh, we don't have any plans yet. Uh, and then also over on Post Show Recaps, uh, we'll be talking about all things Walking Dead as soon as that starts up again. I have a very rare couple of weeks off from that. But our usual panel oh. of uh, Josh Wiggler, AJ Mass, and Chappelle and I will get together as soon as The Walking Dead's flagship starts up again to um, really see that one into the harbor because it's the very, very last piece of season for Walking Dead. And we're excited to see what, it, what is in store for us there. Jess, I'm intrigued uh, because you had just watched an entire season of Amazing Race Canada that finished 
the day before an Amazing Race season started. Do you feel like properly warmed up for Amazing Race US? Are you of the opinion right now of like, I just have so much Amazing Race going on? I can imagine you're of a couple minds about it. Honestly, this past season of Amazing Race Canada was strange in a lot of ways. I anticipate quite fun with great teams and that made me excited to watch it every week. Whereas I think if it had been kind of a slog, I would be coming in here a little bit jaded about Amazing Race in general. But as it is right now, there is an embarrassment of Amazing Race riches because, of course, Amazing Race Australia is still going on. They air three hours a week of content, soon to go up to five hours a week. And oh my God. they really never quit. And it's not the greatest, but it's like at this point, I'm just primed for there to be Amazing Race content. So I mm-hmm. watch it every week faithfully. Okay. All right, well, just great having you back here for Amazing Race U.S. coverage. Uh, today is a big day in Robert's podcast. I think today is the first day in Robert's podcast history that I am going to be recapping the Amazing Race, Survivor, and Big Brother episodes all in one day, plus uh, throw two exit interviews in as well. So it's going to be a jam-packed Thursday here. This was uh, the first uh, stop on my scramble here today. So thank you, Mike and Jess, uh, for joining me for this one. I'll be back later on today with our exit interview. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.